When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I would say to you tomorrow that you could either never listen to music again that someone else has made, or you could never make music again. Which would you choose? It sounds a little bit vain, perhaps, but uh, I don't actually listen to that much music uh, day to day because I'm working on my own stuff. So I'm not, I mean, I'm not constantly working, let's be honest, but yeah, I'm not listening to that much music. So it wouldn't affect my life that much, which sounds a bit crazy, but yeah, it I do like music, obviously, but... Is it because it interferes with your kind of creativity and you find that you end up kind of falling into patterns of what you're listening to or how come that's a thing? I have no idea, really. There might be something to do with it not really being a break from work. (laughs) There might be something to do with that because, yeah, when I'm listening to music, I don't really listen to it perhaps like I used to when I was younger. It's much more analytical. A lot of producers and, and songwriters will probably tell you that, that... You know, music listening is no longer the same after you start learning how to make it yourself. You can't help but pick it apart a little bit. Well, pretty much the whole time, my ears are just constantly on for audio stuff that's going on. So it's probably just that it's not that much of a break um, as other people would see it. Um, So I just go to like, like a video game or like a YouTube video or something else like that that's completely different. Where do you find your mind wandering when you're watching something like that or playing a video game? Does it go away from music completely or do you still No, 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 you know, it's still, it's, there's a lot of times where like, you do need to take a break when you do music for sure. And, or just any work, but I quite often find myself like still thinking about what I've got to do. Uh, It's very hard to switch off, to be honest. Yeah. Constantly just worrying about like the fact that I'm probably wasting time. Although I'm getting better at um, seeing it not as that because everyone needs like time off, you know, to just get the energy back. Does that happen even like, I mean, we just had Christmas a couple of weeks back, even on Christmas days, your mind kind of still flitting about 
some ideas and stuff or can you kind of get away from well that? um we can talk about the idea stuff more as well but um ideas actually don't tend to come in my head at all uh, you hear people saying like you know uh it's like how did you come up with this idea oh i had this melody in my dream or whatever like th- there's an example but um they never really come to me like that at all it's usually just when i'm sitting in front of the of the computer and working away that the ideas come through you know messing around essentially so let's call it guilt i'd say the guilt of not working is not is 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 more what what it is it's <laughs> it's uh yeah so when i'm playing games or or like you said christmas day some days are particularly like fine to take a break i think universally everyone's taking a break on christmas so it's all right so yeah i almost find myself subconsciously doing stuff on christmas day though like I got um I got this book because uh, with all the interview stuff I do I got this book it was like interviews with great British songwriters oh yeah okay and I ended up finding myself taking notes from it of, oh this would be kind of a good idea or it would spur ideas I'm oh, I could use this in a podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I realised that subconsciously I had started working on stuff on Christmas Day I was like oh can't get away yeah yeah I can relate to I used to I think I've gotten better over the years but I used to think like for example Christmas is is where is when I go home. So I go to Orkney, which is like these islands at the top of Scotland. And that's where my family are. But f- like the last few years, I would take, I would like haul up all of my work stuff and expect to be doing stuff up there. And I never would. And I get like super down about it. And more recently, uh, you just decide to take a break and just don't, don't touch anything. So that's what happened this year. But you are still thinking about, oh, you should probably be doing something. But I don't know. Maybe I've just got a better kind of not feeling so guilty about it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not working the whole time either. <laughs> I'm not like a workaholic. I just think I should be doing more than I uh, I do. But yeah, I've gotten better. Did you go back up to Orkney this year mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. well? Yeah. How long were you back up for? I was up for two weeks. So the flight was on the 21st and, or was it the 20th? I can't remember. But either way, the next day got cancelled um, because of the travel restrictions so uh we just made it basically <laughs> yeah are your family from there is that where they're kind of originally from? no no, no, no. mum's no. from england and dad's from england as well although moved to to glasgow when he was younger so my grandparents are from glasgow i was wondering because i couldn't place the accent you've kind of got like a mix of the the three yeah it's a bit funny um there's a lot of people some people struggle completely get it wrong and say like I'm New Zealand or something like that um it's a yeah it's a funny accent it's like a mixture of English and Scottish and Orcadian as as we know it and that's just a whole accent in itself yeah Orcadian's not really kind of mainland Scotland it's got a word it's twang to it as well quite unique yeah um, if you're in Aberdeen if you get a really strong Aberdonian accent it's kind of close to that that's where I am now okay yeah that's the closest you'll Okay. I know what you mean. I kind of choked her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> yeah. What's a, uh, what was your exposure to music like when you were up in Orkney as a kid? You lived there your whole kind of life before you shifted to Glasgow? Or... Yeah, so I moved, I moved when I was 11. So that was the final year of my younger school or primary school in Scotland, we say. Kind of the, mo- the most of my childhood that I can rem- remember was probably in Orkney. There was there was some uh, time in Glasgow. So before I moved to Orkney, I picked up the violin for about a year or maybe two years. I think two years, and then moved to Orkney, which has got a lot of traditional folk music and it's taught in the school. So there's a teacher there, 
uh, called Douglas. He was my tutor for six years there. What's the population in Art? It's 23, I'm going to say 23 and a half thousand. I think it's 23, but that was a, a while back the census came out. So maybe even 24,000 by now. So kind of one primary school and one high school? No, 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 not at all. There's loads of primary schools across the collection of islands because it's a collection of islands. So there's some primary schools with like like 10 pupils in or like five sometimes. Some of them have been shut down because there was like one left and then it moved to a different island or whatever. So one of my grandparents was, was teaching, one, my, my, my mom's side grandparents lived up, lived up there for a while and taught in primary schools and some of the islands. So, yeah, so there's two secondary schools though. And one of them is in Kirkwall, which is the biggest city. And then one is Stromness, which is a smaller one, more concentrated when you get older, I suppose. When was the last time you picked up a violin? Hmm. A year, year or two ago. And when I did, it was probably for a couple of days. And then before that, it was another few years. So I've kind of pretty much dropped it at this point, which is sad, but like I, I just didn't, I just stopped enjoying it, to be honest. I stopped enjoying playing it. How come? I think it's something to do with the, the mono or like the, just the one sound, perhaps. And violinists would probably get angry at me, but I like to compose, compose more and put, put things together and layer stuff up. Uh, some, yeah, it's probably something to do with that. I just, yeah, found practice a little bit dry. That was about it. I, I, think, I think it was a time thing as well. Um, as soon as I started production, my interest in violin really just started falling then. So, Did it sound different to you? After you began producing stuff, when you went back and played it, did it feel different? No, 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 not at all. It just felt like, well, of course, I wanted to, I kind of got inspired to do music as, as work as soon as I started picking up producing because, you know, I thought, oh, I can actually do this perhaps. <laughs> Obviously, for the first few years, it was pretty bad. I didn't want to do violin. That was a, that was a difference, I suppose. I didn't want, I didn't see it as a, a, a work or a job. So I wanted to do uh, something to do with biology before that. So I think it was the, the fact that I had to make it into a work. And then, you know, when you get, like factor in time, because you need to have a life as well, violin just kind of fell off in that way. I needed to put more time into production, I thought. Were you quite, what age you kind of discovered dance music and house music and that sort of thing and begin producing? It, I probably f- found out about it from my friends and that playing at parties for several years before I got into production. So. Probably around 20, 2011, 2010 was the start of that kind of stuff. In Orkney, we kind of drink at quite a low age, if that's all right to say. So there was a lot of like house parties and stuff and seshes, if that's the right word, um, going on. So lots of, yeah, lots of dance music and stuff going on there. But it was just all music to me, so I didn't think of it. But after I started producing, I was like... Again, as soon as I started producing, I started listening to it all completely differently. So Hmm. I found myself like even at parties and whatnot, just drifting off and thinking, how do they do that? Or could I do that? Whatever. (laughs) Coming up with ideas. Well, I know you say you didn't come up with ideas in the spot, but getting inspired for sure. Mm -hmm, Totally, totally. Yeah, I I do get inspired when I hear things, sure. But it's definitely not. Yeah, it it doesn't. The ideas don't come like melodically, let's say. To, to me how do you remember that inspiration though how do you kind of keep a hold of that so you can transform it into something when you eventually do get into the studio and you don't forget it um i probably don't to be honest it, it's each day is different <laughs> each day i wake up in a different kind of mood and some days i don't have any energy some days 
I have loads. Um, and then some days it like takes a few hours to, to get into it. And, and so I just kind of do nothing for, or like do other things until I feel um, like I can sit down. So yeah, I don't really hold on to the inspiration. I get inspired in, in short bursts and then probably get a bit lazy and do other things. <laughs> Not very inspirational. But. Can that be frustrating? Like what if you're in an awkward place when you get that burst and you don't have the time to then transfer it into productivity? Yeah, it used to be it used to be a problem when I was younger, but now I just go like let's say you're you know our friends and you listen to tunes and you're wanting to get making again. You just say that tomorrow you can start tomorrow. But before yeah, it, it would kind of when I was younger it probably stressed me out a little bit more than it does now. I'm much more chilled out about work than I used to be, which I think it's more healthy because I'm actually getting higher quality work done when I'm putting the hours in instead of uh, stressing the whole time. You seem like you have a better handle on the, the kind of balancing it out and kind of incorporate, incorporating it into life and not letting it take it over a little bit, maybe. Mm, I think I do have a, a better balance of it. There's um, A couple of years ago, I was pretty unhealthy mentally and my, I was just sleeping all over the place spending every penny I earned from my my job on just like just useless like frittering away on useless things and what were you working as at this point I was a care worker for people with autism so it was like a one-to-one or sometimes two-to-one support for, the, for people with autism and some sometimes Asperger's as well was that quite intense or no it was actually all right it was it was really really yeah some some of the people I worked with were just really good really good fun so um, yeah, it was good. It was good, it was good work, but yeah, I was just like uh, working too much and um, living terribly, and then dawned on me that if I don't get stuff together, I'm not going to be able to do music. So I just instantly like took a grasp of everything I could and controlled everything, like sleeping, and I got everything organized. And then I found out that I was equally miserable that way. So now I found a kind of balance of order and chaos, let's say, which is just. Yeah, it's it's like not ordering things too much, but it's not letting things go crazy like it did before. So it's about finding a way to have chaos work in a system, isn't mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. You kind of need a structure to your life, but you also need that spark that chaos brings. And- yeah, exactly. Um, so I'll give an example: is like my sleeping pattern is non-existent, and for some people that really doesn't work. But for me, it's fine. It's it can get in the way of like certain. Uh, certain days when you yeah you wake up at like you know sometimes I wake up at 4am because I went to bed early and then sometimes I'm waking up at 6pm um and it sounds horrible and it sounds depressing but it's fine for me so it just works but that's my example of somewhere that chaos is and then order would be like you know trying to exercise each day or something like that how does your day operate if you get up at 6pm though because that probably means going to bed kind of 10 in the morning, maybe? <laughs> it, just, it, it just changes each day. Pretty much I stay awake for like 18 hours and then go to sleep for eight. So I still get my eight hours, which means I should be healthy somewhat. And I still get sunlight because uh, if you're waking up, if you're waking up early in the morning or if you're waking up um, late at night, there's still a frame that you'll reach some sunlight and go outside. So I feel like... I've got a similar problem because I don't feel t- I don't feel tired after eight after like I don't know fourteen hours or whatever sixteen hours if I sleep for eight. Well, exactly. Ideally, you'd sleep for eight and then be awake for sixteen. But 
by the time it reaches 16, I'm not tired. So I'm constantly coming in and out of like the normal society sleep schedule. And um, <laughs> just drifting in and out. Yeah, just exactly. And when I try, every time I try and fight it, even though I've, I've tried it many times in the past, every time I've tried, I've just been miserable. So it's something that I'm just going to have to live with is that I need it. I can stay awake for a little bit longer and maybe try and order other things in my life. So yeah it's worth it if it makes you happier yeah it's it's not even just happier i just like when i try and fix my sleep schedule i'm missing a few days because i'm just so tired some of the days and just feel drained and rubbish so yeah what's your diet like at the minute then have you seen a couple of years ago sleep and diet were the two things that were kind of a bit all over the shop um yeah so i was eating just junk really to be honest lots of processed stuff and now it's pretty much just like a much just like not processed stuff that's that's the best way to put it like eggs and beef and stuff like that how again like if a couple of years ago you what you could go like a month without writing a song mm-hmm. what's the the rhythm of your workflow like at the moment how often are you kind of writing um i'd say on average probably five days a week i'm trying to make something and then two days i'll probably not do something so and that, that, that that's not a you know monday to friday and saturday sunday off it's just whenever and then when I'm working each day, it's anywhere between four to six hours, I think, on average. But a lot of my music doesn't take very long, to be honest. Like, I, um, I think I've just probably over the years learned how to work quite fast and stuff. But if an idea is rubbish, I won't put it out. And I can tell within the first few hours if it's, if it's rubbish. So each day I try and make a kind of new idea and then wrap it up if it gets accepted by a label or whatnot. Do you give a value then to the kind of speed at which a song is written? Can you notice a pattern with a time frame that tends to produce better work? No, not or? at all. Not at all. It's just that it usually tends to be like quite f- fast. Like I give, I give lessons. I give like private lessons in production. And sometimes they're saying you're going a bit fast because I am just like kind of firing things down and throwing things around quite a lot. Um, throwing ideas up and getting things deleted and starting new things so do you find your mind moves faster when you're in that space no i think it slows down if i'm being honest i stop thinking about that kind of just the world in general i haven't thought about that to be honest but yeah it, do, it does slow down even because you're just more focused on something i suppose like i think i feel like my head's constantly going round and in circles and whatnot when i'm not doing something i'm focused on so all the everyday anxieties kind of just clear away. Yeah, I would say so because you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pretty much. I, sh- I should probably do it more. <laughs> more clarity when you're in that space. Then does everything kind of feel like you have a slightly better perception on what's happening right in front of you at that point in time? Well, there's there's a specific time I think that I've been getting more. I've been accessing more, which is like I think some people would call it a flow state. I just kind of call it not stressing out too much about what you're making. And I've been able to get that more recently than, than previously. So it's become more enjoyable and, and more easygoing. It kind of just comes out easier and much, uh, yeah, like more flow, flowy, if that's the right word. You had a, you had a period that kind of last year to this year as well, was it like April to February when you didn't really put anything out? Were you still writing as much during that period, but just not releasing? Probably, yeah, prob- probably. Um, to be honest, there was a period as well where well, we can talk about this as well, but as a producer, I don't know if you noticed, but like the stuff I'm putting out is kind of varied or very varied uh, in kind of style and influence. Well, you've got the kind of house here stuff and the dance here stuff. And then, yeah, there's a lot of kind of elements at play. Yeah, there's just a lot. There's not very, yeah, there's, there's not like one sound, I don't think. And that was a important part in 
the way I work now is that I don't make a certain sound that day. I don't sit down and say, I'm going to make this this day. During that time you mentioned, like, I would try that and I would make kind of not very good stuff. Uh, I would say it has to be like this in this certain style. And I think at that time you mentioned I was going for like a, going for more house stuff. So I was just ignoring all of these other influences and samples I was finding from other genres that in my mind couldn't work for that style of music. But now uh, as a producer, I'm just striving to make just music in general and across all influences and all genres. And so I'm making way more stuff than before as well. It's tough as well because it's kind of the music industry at large encourages you to have a kind of clear cohesive vision and to kind of be assertive about it. it we live in this world where we say we don't want genre anymore and we've kind of moved past that but it still seems to want to put things in boxes a little bit there is yeah I, th- I think there's a lot of people saying that genres like labels aren't interested in genres and things and i don't think it's true i think i think the industry is interested in people that have like a, a brand let's say and if that brand is a certain style of music there's a lot of uh, dance music producers that have a very kind of like heavy and dark sound and nothing light gets put out by them um, and all of the branding's dark and kind of emo and whatnot that can really work sure it doesn't work for me though and if it doesn't work for me I won't make any music so I don't know what's better this is a constant uh, debate I'm having in my head and um, thankfully I've got like a manager that supports what I'm doing but yeah, a lot of people have said like you're gonna have to stick to one style of music, and but the thing is, I'm looking, I'm looking at artists like, for me, like um, Diplo and Skrillex, uh, even, and he's not doing ju- dubstep anymore. Uh, I'd encourage people to go listen to what he's been doing recently, but Skrillex and Diplo and um, Calvin Harris and probably Mark Ronson, and there's a few more. There's like SG Lewis is a, a guy that I've been listening to quite a lot recently. You're just listening to to to, to that their stuff and realizing that it is possible as a producer slash artist to put out a bunch of different stuff and work with many people from many different influences uh it is a possible thing to do it's not as common as a kind of sound but it's possible and that i suppose inspires me so i'm going for that kind of uh artist vision i suppose i mean you mentioned calvin harris there he's a good example of that there are other ways to unify it he'll maybe have one or two things like i think it's that 18 months album isn't it that every song is at the same bpm oh is it, is it totally it, different around 126 or something will it be for the yeah i think it's one to eight or something they're all at that yeah tempo but then they all sound completely different because i guess if you put that restriction on you then it kind of forces yourself to challenge there is there is something to make yeah, it there, different. i mean i've got a lot of friends that play guitar and 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 i've had people saying like because i've got all these virtual amps right that can do anything it's like any reverb you want or whatnot but friends have told me that they prefer to limit the cell themselves to like one reverb and one amp and one distortion and get the most out of that and that yeah i can see that working for a lot of people but for me i just yeah i, I prefer having like all the tools it gives it more of an exploratory edge doesn't it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I genuinely just think, like, as well, like, I, I refrain from giving out rules to people as well on how to get production, how to get better at production, and how to get better at writing, because I don't, I found so many conflicting rules and so many different opinions that it's just best to figure your own way around the kind of industry and creation process. Did it take a little bit of time to get accustomed with that? Mm-hmm. When you kind of first found that things were conflicting quite a lot? Mm-hmm, totally. The 
like I said, there was a year that I didn't produce, and one of the big factors in that year was obviously the, the, the chaos I was talking about, but the other factor was just the fact that I didn't know what to do at all. I was like, I'm going to have to choose a sound. Then I choose one and get bored of it. So I wouldn't make anything in that sound for an, another month. After I just kind of got over myself, let's say, and just said, well, look, just sit down, make whatever. And as soon as I started doing that, everything kind of pieced together. And that's been the last year or so that I've started doing that. And things have really picked up. And yeah, just because of that kind of mind shift. Everything you've put out since then has, I mean, it's most of your biggest things, I think, have kind of come out last year, 2020. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's been it's been just really, really been picking up. and. Like it just, it, it's nice in a way because it kind of asserts, to me it asserts that thing that I thought from the start, which is it's better to do something than nothing at all, which is what I'm doing now compared to what uh, stressing about what sound I was going for was like. After you came back and that was kind of proved that that worked, you know, how does that then impact you going forward? Do you have a little bit more confidence in your convictions with that now that you've you've done whatever you want and it's worked? Definitely there is. Of course, though, there's, I still listen to artists that, that do have that specific style and brand and kind of go, oh, it'd be sick to, to, to be able to, to have something like that. And do you know what? I actually really respect artists that, that managed to, to pull that off, but I just can't do it. So, yeah, I do think about that a lot of the time. Do you think about the songs as singles? Or what is it? What, like, I mean, you put out the Cozy P last month? Mm-hmm, something like that, yeah. <laughs> Were you thinking about those songs as part of a body of work or were they still just individual tracks and singles in your mind? To be honest, they were probably more individual tracks in my mind. I've never really thought of putting, because of the dance music stuff I was influenced by before, it's not really typical to put out an EP or an album, really. You're putting out singles or like tracks, essentially. Uh, so I, I was kind of in that mind mindset there. Uh, um, also probably because I don't really listen to albums back to back typically I genuinely just pick out some of my favourites and listen to them and the rest kind of go are you very much a playlist guy? no not even no um, you just kind of you'll find the record and then go back and revisit your favourite track yeah exactly yeah like I, I, I typically type in the artist onto Spotify which I don't know how many people do that but typically type in the artist and pick my <laughs> pick my songs I should probably make a playlist like I've made one, but I don't use it that much. But I quite often know what I want to hear and just play that exact song. Do you have every song in your mind almost as a potential hit? Like a lot of them do have that kind of big single feel to them. Or are there certain songs where you're kind of thinking that you maybe want to move in a little bit of a different direction? My songs, you mean? Yeah. Well, I wrote, I, wrote, I don't know if you know, but I've got another project, uh, which is just my name. Just you and Alison. Kind of more traditional acoustic type stuff. Yeah. But with a modern production edge. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I think when I wrote the Lego Bricks song with Lily, I did have a feeling that that would do quite well. It's it's difficult as well because uh, streams on Spotify are really not everything. Uh, you'll see big numbers and you'll find out where those streams are from. And because I work in an is like I do a lot of dance music stuff, it's really... A problem in the dance music scene where labels i'm gonna just call them labels even though they're a bit shaky sometimes but labels will they'll sign a track and they'll put it into a playlist with a bunch of other tracks that they assigned and then they'll promote the playlist to other countries with perhaps a, a lower what is it, cost per click um south 
American countries can sometimes be like that, where you each person that clicks the advertisement uh, to the playlist is it costs less than a let's say Swedish or American uh, customer. So there's a lot of that going on, which is really bad, and it inflates the the streams a lot. So some things might look like hits when no one actually cares. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can see if they get added to like coffee shop playlists and stuff as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe not so much in terms of your stuff, but yeah, the the kind of playlists for dance music that would typically be marketable would be like gym or festival kind of playlists. So it's it's kind of annoying what's going on with the dance music stuff because there's loads of people just bragging about all these numbers which just mean nothing uh, a lot of the time. It's interesting that you can see the stats now. Like that was never a thing really before, was it? Where you could see album sales in such a kind of clear, instantaneous way. Mm. Like the numbers literally there with what your top tracks mm-hmm. are, and and the numbers mean they can mean like a like a thousand listens that are from real people. Like let's say me going into an artist profile and clicking on it, a thousand listens from that are way more valuable than a hundred thousand that have just been marketed towards, and they don't really care. They're just shuffling onto a playlist that they've been told that's you know for the gym or something. It is funny that you can see it all, but not not all is a not all that you can see is 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 the true I suppose industry. Can that feel a little bit alienating sometimes? Mm-hmm. Like when you're thinking about your connection to your fans, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have a lot of producer friends, and there's a lot of jokes going around about certain artists that their entire presence on on Spotify and and whatnot has been essentially kind of marketed and isn't real. It's hard to explain, but like, yeah, the, their immediate their their social media engagement, for example, is just not. There's nothing. But on Spotify, they're getting like 2 million plays a month, which is just crazy. So on one hand, they look like the real deal. And then the other hand, no one, no one knows who they are. So the, Spotify, I suppose, has created this a little bit, this weird anomaly through the playlisting and the ability, the ability to have third-party playlists. I'm always interested what's going to come after Spotify because it's never going to be around forever and you wonder these kind of things that are happening now, how that's going to continue in new forms. And Yeah, I remember when SoundCloud was dying and it kind of is still a bit dead. I got really stressed out. Maybe it's because I don't like change, but yeah, I got really stressed out because I didn't really understand Spotify at the time. But yeah, there was always going to be something new. So none of us can predict what's going to happen, I suppose. So. We'll just see what happens. Yeah. You did quite well on SoundCloud. Was, were you, did you kind of start off as a SoundCloud artist before you moved over to Spotify? Yeah. That, that, that's the reason I was stressed about SoundCloud, to be honest, is because... Got a lot of numbers on there. Well, yeah, but the, the fact that you could just upload anything or you could upload a remix, which is quite important, whereas you can't do that on Spotify unless it's like a, an official remix. I've had friends that have put remixes up on SoundCloud and then done incredibly well just because it's been a popular remix, and then being contacted by major labels and, and signed deals from that and written for huge artists just from a remix. So it, it stressed me out a little bit seeing people doing that and then the opportunity closing for that possibility. So Yeah, it just becomes less accessible. It's like that's, the, that's the beautiful thing about the internet in some ways. When you think of things like YouTube or podcasts, it's like we're living an era now where anyone create, can create anything and kind of get it into the hands of someone quite high up in a much easier, more accessible yeah, way. Yeah, true. So, yeah, like, I suppose a lot of the other stress was at the time I was in this middle ground of having lots of thousands of streams on Spotify, uh, sorry, on SoundCloud, but not really having any contacts in the industry. So 
obviously I've built that up a little bit now, but at the time it was just kind of stressful seeing that kind of die off. How did that work for your Jonas Aden? Oh, uh, Aden, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonas Aiden. So that, well, that was a competition, right? So you do you get the stems from that and then you kind of just have to remix it and you send it back to him and then... Because you won that, right? Yeah, yeah, I won it. Actually, um, he's done three remix competitions. I entered all of them. <laughs> so I entered the first one and didn't manage to win that one. And to be honest, that's fine because it was pretty badly mixed and stuff. But anyway, made a little impact with that one and then entered the second one. I literally finished it on the bus home to Orkney for a little break. It was like completely last minute. I think it was like eight hours work or something. Like like I said, I kind of worked quite fast and got that together really fast. And I just felt like I didn't want to put something out. And I hadn't really made something that heavy before. It's very like Swedish house mafia, as Jonas had described in his uh, his video. Like, yeah, I just made something like that and decided to put it out. And it, and it won. Can you write anywhere? I'm just imagining you on the bus back up to Orkney. I start. I started it. I started it right here. Pretty much had the whole idea done here, and just was finishing it off on the bus on a laptop at the time. So you just need, you just need headphones, you know. It's not it's not too bad. I guess it kind of takes you completely out of that world as well. Mm-hmm. So passes that bus journey pretty quick. Mm-hmm. That eight hour. The the remakes competition though was for me it was like yeah we'll just try it we'll just give it a shot and. I posted it and asked a few mates to, you know, like it and a few of my followers to to post it up and whatnot. And then, yeah, I just got told I won uh, through an email a week before the announcement. And I was kind of just, yeah, I was shocked. But it's been one of the best things that's happened in the late, uh, the recent path. Because uh, from that, I got contacted from by um, Warner, which, or Spinning uh, Records is, is owned by Warner and they have a publishing side. So we're looking at a publishing deal over there at the moment. And that was just from a remix as well. But I think what happened is that I followed up. They said, hi, we, you know, we like your stuff. Can you send us your music? So I sent them everything. And I don't know if that's the best thing to do, but I sent them everything from Lego bricks, like that stuff to the heavier stuff that I'd written. And I think that almost pricked up their ears a little bit because I suppose perhaps I'm more valuable in that sense that I can write for other artists as well. Of course, publishing are going to be interested in that because that's what they do. Um, they kind of spark up collaborations. And if I can be thrown in a room with a hip-hop artist and make a beat with them and then a indie artist and make a song with them, uh, I suppose you're more valuable <laughs> to them. So Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what you do at the minute. I mean, if you look at that Colors EP, every artist that you're collaborating with on that is kind of coming from a completely different place to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. They're all very different artists. Mm-hmm. Totally. And that, that's really what I find fun and what, what keeps me doing it. It's just this one. I really do want to work with other artists. Like I, I'd be more than happy to have every one of my songs be a collaboration with another artist and whatnot, featuring or or anything. It's not... I don't want to take all the credit. It's just like I want to work with. I want to work with people. It's just fun bringing the best out of them. Almost, it's just the goal, I suppose. I mean, how do you connect with some of those people? Because I think, but, but, but who is it on Cool again? Oh, Alessia. She's this Italian. She's Italian. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was that was a mate of mine that reached out to her. That was a bit of a funny one. But now we're good friends, so like we've done some other stuff together. Uh, she's she's funny. She's really nice. 
Yeah, that was just a friend that was working with her. Asked her, or I asked him for vocals, and and he uh, he messaged her. And sometimes it's like the Oliver or Odd Blue, which is on the Nobody's Business song from the Colors EP. He actually messaged me through my you and Allison Instagram account, saying that he's a jazz musician and he liked my song November and he wanted to try working on something with that. And we're gonna do some writing next week, actually. But he sent me that demo, and I was like, "Oh my god, I can make it into a kind of more dancey version of what you had already, and let's release it onto the Magnus thing." So it can be kind of random. And I noticed also you interviewed Katie Mackey. I think was it your last interview? Yeah, just uh, just before all this kind of lockdown hit. Mm-hmm. You met her in Pizza Hut, right? Yeah, that was it. So <laughs> most of it's been really random. Nothing too organized i guess that comes back to what we were speaking about earlier with the idea of chaos Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it's a structured collaboration but it's born from just complete spontaneity and randomness i mean lily for example the girl that i wrote lego bricks with um i was going for one of my one of my late night walks but for me it was early morning Uh, it was 3 a.m or something and i'd just woken up (laughs) i went for a walk i was just spot like just on spotify shuffling what 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 do they call it? a release radar or something like that? Um, shuffling that because I had no idea what I wanted to listen to, and then Lily came on in the release radar, and she was like a small artist at the time, and still, you know, we're both small artists still, but like I expected her because of the quality of the song I heard. It was called Maybe, and I expected her to be really big, and I went to her profile, and it was like, yeah, like almost no streams a month, and not much social media presence and whatnot. So I was kind of like oh my god, I really would like to actually work with this person and make something. And it looks like it's possible, perhaps, because smaller artists can collaborate. So DM'd her on SoundCloud. We sparked up a, yeah, we, we tried a song before that and didn't really go well. And then the idea for Lego Bricks came out. And I just kind of said, do you want to work on this? And that all pieced together. So everything's very random. I wouldn't stress about it too much. Good things will come, I suppose. Are you expressing a different side of yourself when it comes to kind of Lego brick stuff and things like that, the more kind of soft acoustic that isn't dance music? Yeah, I think I was... Uh, it's quite a generic thing to, to be... or generic artist to be inspired by, but I was really inspired by Ed Sheeran when I was younger. I haven't listened to much of his stuff recently. When I, Yeah, definitely that album plus, I think, was just a huge influence for me when I was younger. And I wanted to know how to sing because I couldn't, um, I was terrible and never had any training or anything. But the problem is to get good, you have to practice and to practice, you can't exactly put a mute like you can on a trumpet or something. You've got to <laughs> just sound terrible and very loudly bad as well. So I was, I didn't want to do that in my house, basically. Just confidence, I suppose. But yeah, I never, never wanted to express myself very much in my house because it, it would get me embarrassed. So I waited till I moved to Glasgow to start trying to learn how to sing and, and write songs. So, yeah, I do. I suppose I'm just kind of expressing a part of me that a part of my music that I've always wanted to, to do, but never had the confidence to get good at before I uh, put it out. Does it feel different producing your own vocal to someone else's? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. Although I'm using the same tools and techniques, it's just like I'm way more picky and just way, yeah things take a lot longer do you ever lay down like guide vocals on the magnus stuff before you send it over to someone else to kind of add a vocal on top or mm-hmm. before before i never used to and i would get back these vocals that were just not the vision i was thinking of but now i've started doing that and things have be- 
you know, started going a lot better, which has been great. And and some of my you and Alison tracks were actually written as guide vocals in the idea that someone else would sing on them and then I liked them. So yeah, it's definitely a thing to do. Um, especially if you want to send it to someone. Like if you're of course when not many of us are in the studio with each other right now, so you everything's online. And sometimes it's kind of hard to get your vision across without a guide. Do you normally work through, like, I mean, kind of pre-pandemic, were you working over Zoom, though, in kind of the uh, remote collaborations? Honestly, not really, to be honest. I mean, everything was remote and there were remote, remote collaborations, but I wasn't doing it with someone. Like, it was, hey, I'll send you the project. And, and I'll be like, oh, okay, I'll work tomorrow. And then I'd work tomorrow and send it back. And, and that's how it would work until then. Recently, it's been more Zoom Zoom stuff, and that's because I've been trying to write, you know, the publisher has set up certain sessions and whatnot, even before we're signed there, which is a good sign. I think they're interested, but they've been, you know, right, setting up sessions and such. So maybe, yeah, I've, I've not got that much experience in, in, in sessions in general, to be honest. A lot of it's just kind of done in my own room. So was cool then, was that written pre, you know, was that written post-pandemic? If that was, because that would have been a virtual collaboration, right? Or... Yeah, that was written. That was written between me and this this Mexican guy, a Mexican friend of mine, Eric, his name, and we, he just came up with the basic idea, and then I did everything else pretty much. And yeah, the the vocals after the track had been kind of made, the vocals got on top, and it was one of the smoothest things, like one of the smooth tracks that everything just works out, and they sounded good. Yeah, we sent it to this label called NCS, which are quite quite a good little UK label for getting your music exposed, uh, for sure, because a lot of YouTubers use it for their videos and content creators use it for the videos because it's no copyright sounds is what the name stands for. So, How do you maintain a sense of the energy of a song when you're working on it so much? Because, I mean, that song in particular, Cool, the way you kind of cut it off at the end, and it feels that like there should be another chorus and it kind of leaves you wanting more and it keeps the energy running high as it finishes. Oh, yeah. How do you kind of keep on top of that when you're working on it so much? You actually mentioned that. I don't know if you've noticed that all of the colours EP are like under three minutes or something or they're just under. It's rapid. Yeah. yeah I've got a bad habit of that and I think I, yeah, I would like to be able to write better songs. I think as a producer, especially when you're doing dance music as well, like you're used to kind of... Uh, build up and then a drop let's call it and then a breakdown and then another build up and then a drop so you're used to this kind of two climactic parts and then everything else is just kind of filler not saying that it's it's unthought and and unmusical or whatnot but like i think i'm still stuck in that mindset and like the idea of a middle eight or something that doesn't that's a random end, uh, part of the end or what whatnot is it was a bit alien to me. I'm still trying to push past that, to be honest. But yeah, I probably make things too short, if I'm honest. Is structure of sound then more important to the energy? Like what you're saying, is it more important that it sounds perfect and it's exactly how it should feel or that it comes at the perfect moment in a song for it to function? Even something, something like the, um, another example with the Jonas Adam remix, you know, when you kind of cut it and then it hits. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, okay. So yeah, silence, silence, like just, just gaps and space are really important. A lot of people and a lot of kind of amateur producers um, makes a lot of their sounds uh, very long and legato and, and stretched out when utilizing space can be really good. So there is something t- to be said with that. Structure has been something I've been focusing on more, especially the fact that 
a lot of my music in the past uh, would use like one chord progression for the whole song uh, and vary it that somehow with different instruments. But now I'm I'm really looking at changing the chords for your pre-chorus and and your verses and your chorus. Uh, not every time, but yeah, it's just something that I've getting. I'm still getting into. My music theory also isn't isn't amazing, and my instrument instrumentalism, if that's the word, is not great either. I'm used to just kind of programming stuff into the computer, so it's all stuff I've still got to learn uh, for sure. Do you find that different chords inspire different melodies? Yeah, totally. Uh, especially with like sevenths and and more jazzier chords, which I wish I could play more as well. So, but yeah, they they chords and 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 instrument mental parts always come before melody for me like i said i never think of melodies in my head they just always float on top of the the kind of chords and and whatnot i've laid down already it's an interesting one to try and think about where melodies come from they almost seem to be more like if you're writing a lyric you can kind of relate it back to your life directly but melodies there's just no way to do that i I do wonder where they come from but they, they for me they just tend to float on top of some chords that are already there and without the chords for me melodies can't I can't extract them almost. I suppose the melodies do come from the chords and the key that you're writing in, but yeah, I can't come up with them otherwise. What you were saying there about kind of writing in jazzier chords and wanting to move and kind of get better at that, do you have quite a clear sense of where you want to develop as an artist on a technical level as opposed to the sound of it, more just you as like a performer? Yeah, my performance my performance is very not, not good. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, it's, that's a huge hole with my work I suppose is is the is the fact that I'm yeah I'm not able to do much performance stuff and it's something I want to get better at uh for sure piano you know it doesn't take that much either just pick up the guitar 10 minutes a day and do some piano 10 minutes a day or whatnot but yeah I'm that's just a big problem for me is just uh performance stuff because I've relied on being able to edit everything afterwards for so long what you were saying earlier, though, about how I think quite near the start of this, about how you kind of don't have any restrictions, you just use all the tools that you can. Maybe being having those kind of natural restrictions as a performer is what gives your work those kind of limitations that then allow you to be creative within it. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I've had friends that have like one keyboard and they have a bunch of different sounds in it, but nothing incredibly diverse or whatnot. Like, um, but they seem to make the most out of it, which is cool. Uh, I did actually want to get a real piano in the house because it's just away from the screen and it's away from everything technical. Um, I think that that would probably encourage me to practice a little bit more because, it's, again, it's just it's going somewhere completely different. They're just nice as well. There's something about a piano, the kind of craftsmanship of it. Yeah, it just feels better than these kind of plastic keys and whatnot. I'm always looking on Gumtree for like free ones and whatever. Because there's people, you know, that, believe it or not, there's people giving away free ones because they're moving house or whatever. And because they're so big, they just say, look, you can have it for free as long as you come get it next week. So I'll, uh, yeah, I was, I'll keep looking. Start a collection. <laughs> get a few pianos, like one in every room. Yeah, well, there's not much room. I don't know where I'd put one yet. Probably under my bed, like, which sounds silly, but there's a, it's a bunk bed, so it's possible. <laughs> What what you're saying there about how you you like the idea of just being able to go in and kind of sit down and play on it. Is that how your setup is designed at the moment? Do you have anything in place that you can kind of just start creating instantly or do you have a little bit of setup time before you can begin? Oh no, I can begin pretty much instantly. And the way I always begin actually is using this 
service called Splice. I don't know if you heard of it before. I've seen it. You, you kind of speak about it in your video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So Splice and practice and the change of mind of trying anything I want. If you combine all three of, of those, that's how things have gone so well in the last year or so. So Splice should really sponsor me, to be honest, at this point. But they are... <laughs> It's like a chord writing session because a lot of the things on there are just chord progressions or guitar hooks or synth, synth kind of pads or one-shot sounds or whatever they are or just drum loops. Like it's like a, an artist has made them, a session musician has made them while you're in the studio with them. So before, before I viewed them as that, which I view them as now, I used to view them as kind of cheating and, and not being good. <laughs> and then I learned more about the industry and I realized that there's so much collaboration behind so many songs that I liked and loved when I was younger and still do now. You can't be expected to do everything and be like a, like make your own bass line and make your own synths and make your own and play this piano perfectly. And there's nothing wrong with working, I suppose, with other people. Splice is some, somewhat different though because it's other people have put their stuff up and then you can take it. Um, so there's not much human interaction there, but it's the same kind of idea. It's just a jazz pianist might have recorded a, recorded a pack for Splice and you're just taking their, their packs and using them and you pay for the service. Have you ever uploaded any stuff to yourself for other people to use? Actually, no. Um, I released my own sample library, the first one, um, independently on my own website. And that was actually really good. So I got about 40 people buying that which is amazing. One person sent me a message saying he got it for Christmas and <laughs> his parents had printed out my logo in a little cardboard box and given, given it to him, which is quite nice. I might, yeah, I'm going to do more this year and I, because um, I'm planning like a house, kind of a hard house EP thing and I want to release the sample library for that as well. It's going to be like much bigger and I, I still, I'm still convinced to do it independently to be honest because the first one worked out very well and wasn't really planned out or anything and this new one's going to be better so I might just do it myself again. Ties into what we were saying earlier as well when you were speaking about SoundCloud and seeing how it makes things a little bit more accessible it's the same thing. It's, you know, it's giving people a peek behind the curtain and kind of showing them how they can create this thing. Yeah, YouTube's... Um, I do private lessons, obviously, but YouTube's been quite fun as well. Although my YouTube got deleted recently. Yeah, I was waiting to say, what happened? What actually, what actually happened? Um, I was using email inbox provider from Google. It sensed that I was a bot or something. I can't tell. It just it got me wrong and, and the security messed up and deleted my channel. But now I've done like the two two-factor authentication and I've moved to a different inbox provider and it should be fine. So I'm sure it'll be all right. I think it was just a security thing. Um, and the fact that it was a small channel still, probably they don't care about those people. So it just kind of becomes automated at that point. That's a bit of a pain in the ass. Though. Yeah, but I've tried, you know, obviously you, at least I've said this to people, but like at least it happened now and not when it was bigger, let's say. Yeah. You could be a bot though. <laughs> I could be a bot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no um i try not to yeah i, I try not to uh be too botty online but i think you're quite personable when it comes to the kind of instagram and stuff yeah i try and throw personality in there that, that's another thing with producers actually is that there's a lot of them that are faceless let's say online or if not faceless they're just not really putting their personality into things uh, a lot of dance music producers can can fall into this kind of 
they all look and act the same. They all wear leather jackets and black skinny jeans and, and sunglasses and whatnot. And they never smile. Never smile, and they're way too cool to smile. Um, but I don't know. Like, if you want to be a real kind of more like engaging artist, I think it's just better to be a real person. <laughs> and uh, I feel like yeah. there's less room for the mystery now, isn't there? Whether we like it or not, it's. I mean, I do quite like a little bit of mystery myself, but like. It's kind of gone now with social media. Like you're looking behind the curtain completely. Uh, yeah, and some artists can utilize mystery still. Like they wear a mask or they they don't do interviews or whatnot. Uh, I feel like very few people get away with wearing a mask though. Yeah, you've kind of got staff punk. It's not marshmallow looks like a tit. <laughs> Marshmallow's cool. Like uh, his his brand was solid. I mean, he used to be a small time. Um, people, you know, people know his is a smaller artist project but he was a small time producer before he did that rebrand and it's been incredible but it doesn't work for everything everyone there's loads of artists that are are putting on masks and like it doesn't quite work for everyone it's kind of a luck draw thing so um for me i'm just trying to be who i am some people have said i sound nothing like uh my social media like they're surprised that I'm the same person. I I don't know. I feel like I'm the same person, but everyone's different on texting, though, aren't they? Mm, true, true. And think you can read text in so much different way. Like I could be typing it one way, and someone could read it in a different tone, and the whole thing changes. So, how good a sense of your personality do you think people can get from your music? I have no idea. <laughs> I've got no idea. Um, Why don't we flip it? When you're collaborating with an artist, like say, you know, you've got Canary Gold, you've got Van Ives on the last EP. When you're collaborating with them and you listen to their music, how good a sense of their personality when you actually work with them can you get from what they've had before? I don't know. There's, I think there's there's only very few artists that I get a sense of their personality for some reason. Probably the 1975, I don't know why, but maybe that's because they've got all this other extra content, though, a vibe around them. He's quite pretentious in person and in music. Oh, I, I, yeah, it's just they've got this kind of... Yeah, and then there's kind it's of... It's kind of art school isn't it? <laughs> yeah, totally. I still like their music, to be fair. Man, I've got their records over on the shelf. I do like mm-hmm, them. But... Mm-hmm. Although you sometimes get surprised. Like, I don't really listen to Tom York too much. Um, Radiohead was cool, but they're not a huge influence for me. I do. I've listened to that. I saw them at Transmit years back. And my girlfriend really likes really likes Tom York, but she refuses to listen to his interviews because she doesn't... Apparently, she's been told by other people that he's a bit pretentious. And I'm not, I'm not going to claim this. I haven't watched interviews or listened to much of his music, but she says... She doesn't want to listen to his interviews because it feels she's worried that it might spoil it for her, which is <laughs> kind of weird. But I don't think I've ever got that with an artist. No, I where I, I feel imp- unless it was a personal experience, maybe, but never through a screen or whatever. Well, I I I I, I, I what what's the word? I, I separate art from artist the whole time. I mean, if you there's, there's artists that are posting stuff all over their their social media that sometimes I disagree with or sometimes I agree with, but I don't care. A lot of the time I kind of almost don't want to hear it because it reminds me of the real world again instead of the reason I follow them. So, yeah, there's, there's a bit of that. And it's something that I try to do as an artist as well because after speaking to people all over the world um, from all over the place, you realize that everyone's got different views and everything. So as an artist, in my opinion, it's best to just not say anything. <laughs> Which is what I've tried to do, pretty much. Um, it's just you don't know who you're alienating when when um, when you put things online, and from both sides, it's best to just kind of not talk about that stuff. And 
and uh, make music. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 